you travel for a living and struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle like I do, or maybe you just struggle to stay healthy in general. This is the Road to Health podcast, and I am Tamar, your host for this adventure. I travel for business often, which presents some challenges in terms of achieving and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Join me on my perfectly imperfect journey as I implement the strategies I've learned from the coaches I work with and make my dreams and goals a reality. I don't always manage to resist the temptations that life throws at me, but by working on developing a healthier mindset, I'm managing to build a firm belief in my own ability to change. No one needs to take this journey alone, so if you struggle to make healthy choices on the road like I do, join me for this ride on the road to health. Well-traveled, well-lived. Do you suffer from perfectionism, but yet feel like you can never do anything right? Well, you're not alone. Hey everyone, Tamar here from the Road to Health podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you had a fabulous weekend. I got to spend some time with some family, which is always fun. And now it's uh, Monday as I record this and I am back into the work week. So like I mentioned, I had some announcements coming up. I've been alluding to it over the last few episodes. One of those is I have created a new website. It is theroadforward.ca. It is more reflective of my coaching. Um, What I decided to do is align my coaching and my podcast because as you know, things have really changed in our world and I am not traveling. So I thought I'm going to pivot and you know, I teach a lot of things. I have a few programs that I take people through, groups of people, and I figured that I was going to start to bring some of that value to you through the show. I'm also going to be utilizing everything I teach throughout my own journey. So I thought it would be appropriate to let you know about the new website. So www.theroadforward.ca. So if you get a chance, head on over and let me know what you think. Something else I'm super excited to let you know about is my Wake Up On Fire workshop. The official launch date is October 5th through 9th, but I'm letting you know about the website now. And if you head on over to the website, there is right away on the top of the page a area that you can register for this. Like I said, it's absolutely free. I developed this Wake Up On Fire workshop because a lot of people asked me how on earth I wake up so early each and every day and absolutely love life. You know, not every day is perfect, don't get me wrong, but I don't just wait um, for Fridays anymore like I used to. You know, I actually get excited about life and I've got this zest about life, which feels really good. So I wanted to share some of the strategies that I have implemented in my life and pass that on to you. And like I said, it's absolutely free. So head on over to the website and sign up. Along with that, on October 5th through 9th, I'm going to be doing a daily episode that goes along with the workshop. So you'll get five episodes of The Road to Health that first week of October and, you know, just dig into it. Listen to the episode and then join the workshop and you can do those side by side. Now, some things going on in my own personal journey. I've been doing the Hope Elevated series for the last few months, which has been super fun. But now that that's all done, I have decided that I need to go back on deeper state keto. So you'll hear me mention DSK for the next few months because what I've been realizing is that 
you know, I ended up giving up carbs in February of this year and it was a great experience. You know, I finally got rid of the sugar cravings and it just really helped, you know, it worked for my body. I had a lot of success. I lost 30 pounds, but I'm still 10 pounds away from that final goal. And I really want to hit that final goal in the next three months. So along with pivoting, what I'm doing is within the Facebook group, I'm going to be doing challenges. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can easily find that. It's the Road Forward Facebook group. But I'm going to be doing challenges. And each and every month, there's going to be a topic. So the month of October is going to be goal week. So there's going to be some challenges that go align with goals, helping you figure out those goals. I'm going to be giving you as much material and tips as I can for helping you determine your goals. Of course, as you know, and I've talked about, I do have programs that I offer that help you create a vision and also help you uh, set your goals and an action plan to actually achieve those goals. Well, I do that for myself as well. So I really want to share that part of my journey. So not only with what I coach, but also what I'm doing uh, that aligns with everything that I teach. So I want to get more into depth about how my journey is going, how I'm feeling. And, you know, I noticed since I started eating specific foods again, you know, I started getting the inflammation in my knees back. It was bothering me going for, for long walks. And so I got to get back focused. So I'm going to join DSK again. And it just, it really worked for me. And you know what? It wasn't broken. So why fix it? So I'm going to carry on with uh, what was working well. On today's episode, I get to interview my friend, Catherine Ely of the Imperfect Thriving Podcast. And it was so great to chat with Catherine. We probably could have spent hours. Catherine spent years as a lawyer and then decided to be a stay-at-home mom. And now she helps others live their best lives. We talked about perfectionism and the three types of perfectionism. We also talked about what perfectionism can cost us in our lives. And I know from experience, I always want everything to be perfect. And a mentor of mine, Anthony Trucks, he had said one time, you know, whenever you're starting to doubt yourself and you look at what you've done, if you look at that as good, that could be someone else's great, right? And that's something that always resonated with me because I always want to do better, right? It's it's how I was raised to always push myself to do better. But in turn, it's turned me into a bit of a perfectionist and it's something that I have to manage. So if you find yourself struggling with being a perfectionist, you don't want to miss this. I hope you get as much as I did out of it and I'll chat with you at the end of the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I have my friend, Catherine Ely, with me from the Imperfect Thriving Podcast. How are you, Catherine? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So you spent years as a lawyer, and then you were a stay-at-home mom, and you know you, you help others now live their best lives. So why don't we start off by telling us about your story? You know, what inspired you to get to where you are today? Yeah, so I'll try to get to the shortened version. (laughs) It kind of, now now I know this. As a child, I didn't know this, but it, it all kind of started with one thing that my father said to me when I was little, which was, you know, your sister is the loud, funny, outgoing one who has all these friends and everybody likes, and you're just the quiet, nerdy, smart one like me. And I grabbed onto that 
as if it were truth and I um, sort of built my life around that, about around the things that I wasn't enough for. I wasn't enough in social situations. I wasn't enough in ath athletics, wasn't fun enough or pretty enough, but I thought that I was smart enough. So I thought I better put all those eggs in one basket, right? And, and, and um, decided in sixth grade, I'm going to be a lawyer mm -hmm. because that's, you know, I need to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, right? And, and, and um, use my one strength. So I didn't look up, you know, very rigid in my rules about myself. Um, I avoided everything else in all those other areas and then basically overachieved or tried to overachieve in, in this one area. So fast forward to my mid 40s and um, my life looked perfect on paper. I mean, an incredible husband, three beautiful, healthy children and I just wasn't satisfied and I didn't know why I didn't understand why, but I was like, I know that two of them are about to go off to school. I'm, I'm living for them right now. What am I going to do about that? So I knew I needed to make a change, but I didn't know exactly why. And it was actually my husband who said, why don't you go back to school and become a counselor? That's what you do for your friends. You're really good at it. Um, you're, you're understanding and you're compassionate. I really think you should do that. And so he saw something that I couldn't see. And that scared me to death, right, about going back to school at 46 and the technology of it all. And I just went right again to, I, I can't do that. You know, I'm not enough. I, I, I don't know technology. I can't do that. But I decided I was more scared of not having anything than I was of making that leap. So it was just getting to that point where I was so scared I was gonna have to go in one of the directions. And it was through that process and that education that I realized, oh my gosh, I've had anxiety my whole life. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I think I'm not enough. Oh my, what, wait a minute. That not enough leads to the perfectionism which leads to the anxiety. So once I figured all of that out and, and, and created a, a system for that, I've been focusing on anxiety and perfectionism and all of that and helping my clients to move away from that fear and toward what they want in life. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I can totally relate because I strive to do everything perfectly and you know when I was younger my dad used to always say you could do better you could do better that was good but you could do better and of course because I have the addiction in my life I just thought you know what screw it if you really think this way of me that I can do better maybe I'll just do worse right so let's talk about perfectionism and how it affects people in their health because I don't think people really realize that perfectionism can really, really affect our health. Yeah, it, it absolutely can. And you know what I've noticed, and this is kind of why I've, I've really um, been studying perfectionism a lot more recently, is that I have clients come in my office, in my counseling office all the time and, and say, I'm anxious or I'm depressed. And they don't say, I'm anxious and depressed because I'm a perfectionist. But with a little more digging and a little more digging, I realize that there is the either not enough, not worthy, or not lovable, which leads them to try to prove that they are. 
And that leads to perfectionism, Mm -hmm. right? That leads to always wanting to do more, always wanting to be more. And, and you're setting an unrealistic, unattainable standard that you can never reach, which makes you then feel like a failure, which then affects your emotions and how you feel about yourself. You feel badly about yourself and then that affects your actions, right? Mm -hmm. It can lead to poor coping because you want to escape that feeling. It Mm -hmm. can lead to unhealthy coping, avoidance in all sorts of ways. You get too anxious. You don't want to leave your house. You avoid everything that does make you anxious or nervous, which then leads to depression and you can't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Or you avoid it with, with drugs and alcohol. Very common to avoid it with that. Um, So then that unhealthy coping just makes the symptoms worse and worse and worse. So I have found that even though people don't know that, perfectionism oftentimes leads to anxiety or depression. And about one third of the people out there are perfectionists. Wow. Studies show that 30% of the regular population are perfectionists and that 80% of the gifted population are perfectionists. Mm -hmm. So um, it is a really big problem. And a lot of time people wear perfectionism as a badge of honor because they think, well, if I'm a perfectionist, then I'm always doing things to the best of my ability, right? Mm -hmm. I'm always pushing myself farther, you know, getting stronger. And that's not really what happens with perfectionism. There's a really big difference between setting lofty standards for yourself and trying to achieve them and setting standards that are impossible for yourself and what happens when you don't achieve those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's such a big fallout from that. I can totally relate to that. And it was interesting. I had um, a mentor of mine once tell me that, you know, our, our our good days could actually be somebody else's great days. So when we're sitting there feeling like we're not doing enough or because I'm very, you know, focused in my daily routine and my self-care comes in there and everything. But sometimes I feel like, wow, I haven't done good enough, right? I haven't done everything I set out to achieve in a day. And I have to remember though, that day could be someone's really great day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's what happens when you're a perfectionist and you always think you have to do more. Excuse me. So what happens is you become so result oriented. Mm -hmm. Everything is about the outcome, right? And I've seen this happen time and time again. Even when you get that outcome, There is no stopping, celebrating, enjoying. You move on to that next result, right? Mm -hmm. So you're enjoying such a small percentage of time that you have on this earth when you are perfectionist and result-oriented. So what I work on, what I had to work on with myself, because I call myself a recovering perfectionist, (laughs) it wants to come back in at any time and I have to be ready to deal with it. But what happens if you can become process-focused and not result-oriented, you can enjoy your life 90 to 95% of the time versus only 0 to 5% of the time. Mm -hmm. And it feels so good. It does. 
even it's funny this morning i woke up at 4 a.m because i'm very i go you know to bed at the same time i wake up at the same time and i thought no this is not happening today i need my body needs some rest so i actually slept until 7 a.m which is really late for me and for a minute there i i started to get this anxiety because i'm like oh there's so many things i could have done in that time but i stopped myself and thought you know what it's saturday i've got a couple interviews today I have the whole afternoon booked off. I'm going to read a book and I just stop myself because there's stuff that's important, which I knew I'd get done. And then there's the other stuff that it's okay if I don't get done. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. A couple of things about that. And the reason I call myself a recovering perfectionist and why that happens to you is that we have, we fought it for so many years. Mm-hmm that it's like our brain is trained to go in that direction. And so noticing it is the key, mm-hmm. right? We can't really change that initial thought. We can't change that first thought that comes in our brain, but we can change how we notice it. We can change whether we get tangled up in it and we can change what we think and do after that. Mm-hmm. So I love you know, the way that you handled that this morning, (laughs) because that happens in my brain every day. Yeah. Yeah. It happens in mine quite often as well, but it is, it's catching it. So how does someone know if they're a perfectionist? Because I know you've kind of given some kind of hints at it, but how does someone really know? Yeah. So there are actually, I didn't know this until recently that there are three types of perfectionists. Now you could be one, you could be two, you could be all three, but they are divided up into types and one is self-oriented. And so, you know, the definition of perfectionism is it's the combination of setting high performance standards accompanied by critical self-evaluation. So once again, that's the difference between the high achiever and the perfectionist. It's not necessarily that the high achiever has low goals or low standards, it's that they don't beat themselves up if they don't reach those. But a perfectionist is constantly doing that, right? So the three types are self-oriented. That's when you're highly critical of yourself. Other-oriented, that's when you're highly critical of others. And they're socially prescribed when you think others expect you to be perfect. So you put pressure on yourself to live up to that expectation. Wow. Those types lead to all sorts of dysfunctional thinking, okay? So the social prescribed one leads to mind reading. It leads you to be stuck in your head, worrying always about what other people think of you. Mm -hmm. Um, Self-oriented just leads to this ridiculous level of self-criticism all the time. And the cycle of hold yourself to the bar of perfection, you necessarily can't reach it, you fail, you criticize yourself, you call yourself a failure, and you do it again, and you Mm -hmm. do it again, and you do it again. The other oriented gets us in a lot of trouble in relationships. So if you're holding everyone else in your life to a bar of perfection, first, you're going to want to control the other person to get the outcome that you want. And then you're going to berate the other person or make them You can't make them feel badly, but you're going to insult them down to their core because they are not what you expect them to be. So that is a real relationship killer. Um, So, yeah, 
there you have it. So you start, you know, to find out if you're a perfectionist, you kind of have to dig down and, and look at some of your cycles and some of your behaviors. If you procrastinate a lot, it doesn't mean that you're lazy. It means that why would you want to try something new or try something hard when you know you're going to berate yourself about it in the end because you're not going to be able to do it to the level that you want to do it. Mm -hmm. So think of all the different areas in your life. Procrastination could be a problem, right? Work, performance, productivity, everything can be affected by that procrastination. If you berate yourself a lot, if there's a lot of negative and critical self-talk, you could be a perfectionist. If you feel like a failure often, probably a perfectionist. Um, all of this behavior and these thoughts are just negative reinforcement as far as you going out and trying something new, mm -hmm. you going out and trying to step out of your comfort zone. Um, and so there are lots of different, I actually have like a quiz checklist. I can't reel them all, all off, but if you go to imperfectthriving.com and sign up for the free progress over perfection workshop, there is a, a, a quiz and a checklist of all the different things that could show, yeah, I, I might be a perfectionist. But if you're struggling in relationships, you're struggling um, with procrastination and you're struggling with negative self-talk, you could be a perfectionist. Wow. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've been struggling with perfectionism since probably high school, right? Wanting to always do good by everyone and then going through the addiction and yeah, it's, I know I'm a perfectionist. I mean, it's something that I really work on now and it's gotten more manageable because I recognize that negative self-talk and the things I say to myself. And I just have to look at, wow, I've actually done this and this and this and this and this. Okay. You know what? I'm on the right path. If I'm, I, I figure if I'm doing one thing a day that gets me closer to my vision or that helps somebody else, I'm in pretty good shape. <laughs> exactly. Gosh, you are exactly right. Because, you know, it's sort of a, it's not an overnight thing. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a metamorphosis, I think, to go from the not enough, the not worthy, the not lovable. That's like the immature phase of the growth to get to self-acceptance, which I say is like the next phase of the growth, and then get to self-love, which is the ultimate phase that we want to get to. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen overnight, and it takes a lot of work, especially depending on how long, right, you've been in that cycle. Um, and perfectionism is only on the rise with the next generation. You know, I'm 51. I have a 22-year-old a 20-year-old and a 15-year-old and their generation have it worse because of social media. Yes. Which oftentimes affects their um, socially prescribed perfectionism. That, you know, makes them really compare themselves to others and they're comparing themselves to the perfect picture that everybody presents to themselves on social media. And so I'm, I'm, really hoping to get the message across to the younger generation because their expectations of themselves are, whoa, they're off the charts. And you're nailed it with social media. I can't, 
you know, when I was a kid, I remember going outside and knocking on the door and asking a friend to come outside and we'd be outside all day doing this stuff. And, you know, we had in high school, I remember feeling that insecurity and are people going to like me? I'm meeting all these new people. But I don't think to the degree that I would have felt it now because I feel it on social media sometimes. Now, I've learned to look at when other people post things that are really great. I've learned to look at it and go, wow, that's really cool what they're doing. That gives me an idea. Whereas in the past, though, I would look and I'd be like, they're so lucky. I'm never going to have that. And I, yeah. I know people who do that. Yes, absolutely. And that kind of depends on what stage of the metamorphosis you're in, right? Because if you're in that space of I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, the focus is always going to be on what you are not. Mm -hmm. So everything that you see comes through that lens. That's what that person is what I'm not. That's what I need to fix about myself. That's what's wrong with me. And there's that rut in your brain. And so when that thought comes directly in your mind and you're in that stage of what you are not, you grasp onto that belief. You, you believe it as it's true, as it, it is a part of you. When you get to the self-acceptance part and you're not, you, you've sort of accepted, I'm a flawed human being. I don't have to be perfect. I can't be perfect. And neither can anyone else. You can start to shift from, okay, I'm not so bad. I'm going to let go of this high, tightly held belief that I'm not enough. And you get to that stage where you're sort of opening yourself up to making that shift to the positive to where you don't look at everything and criticize yourself, mm -hmm. but you're not all the way there yet. It's kind of like, reminds me of that Jack Kerouac quote that says, I saw my life was a vast glowing empty page and I could write anything. You're getting to that point where you're not where you want to be and it's not all positive, not that it ever will all be positive, but you're starting to allow for the possibility that you can be something else and that you are something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just went through that with, so in high school, I barely passed grade 12. So I was very close to repeating that year. And, you know, one of the uh, courses I struggled with was English. And I remember <laughs> I was a bit of a brat, obviously I had started drinking already and my English teacher put my exam down and said, if you don't pass this next, I will make your life a living hell if you're here again next year. Because I was, you know, the class clown, always got kicked out and stuff. So I always had this belief that I hadn't done well in school because I didn't, you know, I wasn't smart enough. And it was completely because I didn't apply myself because now as I'm learning, you know, I've created my own webpage. I just wrote a book and, <laughs> right? And so, as I was going through it and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to write this book. I want to be more vulnerable. I want to share my story of who I really was and what's made me who I am today. There was times where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I have to do it in such a short time. And I finished it four weeks early because I thought, no, I'm going to plan what I need to do. You know, it, it's not a hefty plan. It's not something that's unachievable. And I just put my head down and did it. And every time I move through that discomfort, getting out of my comfort zone, as you mentioned earlier, amazing things happened. I just, oh. I published it and I thought, wow, what else yeah. can I do? Yes. <laughs> and that is the, you know, that's the trick that our mind plays on us when we have that not enough or not worthy 
or not lovable and we tell ourselves we can't do it so we stay in that little bitty straitjacket of a comfort zone and we're not experiencing everything that life has to offer um, especially um, the chance to feel good about ourselves we're not even giving ourselves a chance to do something hard and feel that sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. nothing feels better than that it does so what does perfectionism cost us oh well it costs us happiness in relationships if you're never satisfied with what your child does with what your spouse does with what your friends do can you imagine I mean, one of the things that human beings need no- most in this world is connectedness we need other people mm-hmm. we're made that way so by being a perfectionist and expecting all those in your life to be perfectionist you're really jeopardizing any real connectedness which sets you up for all sorts of psychological difficulty. So, um, you know, the least of which is not, is, you know, is being, is not, is not the least of which, but it's being, you know, you're going to be unhappy in your relationships. Um, you're going to be unhappy with yourself, right? Every time you're unhappy with yourself and you call yourself a failure, you stay in your comfort zone, you miss opportunity. Missed opportunity creates regret, which makes you feel worse about yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's costing you that. When you're a perfectionist, you never want to let yourself relax because you always think you should be doing more. Leads to exhaustion, leads to burnout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know all of the different sort of medical issues that stress can cause, right? Heart problems, um, poor coping, which can lead to overeating, which can lead to over drinking both of which lead to more health problems. Um, So it really, it's like this slippery slope that costs us so much, it's even hard to list it all. (laughs) Wow, yeah, and I can can relate to almost all of those, right? And it's that um, when you talked about the connectedness, that is something that I always, we talked about enabling when I was on your show and you know, how I've enabled in relationships and had that codependency, right? And how I've also had people do that to me, which has actually kept me trapped in my addiction. So let's talk about some of the myths about perfectionism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So, you know, one myth is if I don't strive for perfect, then I'm not going to reach high goals. You know, people think that it's a good thing. They wear it like a badge of honor. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a high achiever. But it doesn't really happen that way. What happens is, say you've got that not not enough that's at the bottom of it or the not worthy that's at the bottom of it. And we'll use me as an example. I didn't think that about myself in every area. I allowed myself to feel like I was smart enough. But all the other areas... I didn't believe that I was enough in socially, athletically. Um, So in all those other areas, I underachieved because I wouldn't let myself even try. I wouldn't let myself go there because I wanted to avoid feeling like more of a failure than I already felt. But I pushed myself and tried to 
overachieve when it came to school. For instance, my first semester in law school at the University of Alabama, all I allowed myself to do from the moment I got there was eat, sleep, study, exercise. That was it. That's what I thought in my rigid rules when it came to perfectionism and being smart enough. That's what I have to do to get the results that I want to do in law school. Where did it get me? It got me mono my first semester. It got me mono to the point where every time I sat down to read a book, I fell asleep. Half the times when I went to class, I would fall asleep sitting up. Therefore, my performance at the end of the semester, as I've got mono, trying to take exams in classes where there was one exam a semester, and that was your grade, and that was your performance. It led to, I'm sure, a much poorer performance than I would have gotten if I'd allowed other things in my life. Therefore, I lost my scholarship. Therefore, my grades weren't where they needed to be. They're, you know, so that is, um, that's pretty much what happened. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I don't think people realize sometimes how much stuff like this can actually cost us. So let's talk about self-love because and self-acceptance, that was something I really struggled with in the past. I always wanted that outside reinforcement or that recognition or that, you know, you're okay, you're loved, right? I was always seeking it from a different source other than myself. And what I've really learned in the last couple of years is that when I focus on the things I truly love in my life, which for me right now is my coaching, I love helping other people, I love doing the podcast and sharing my story, I've really developed that clear vision of where I want this everything to take me. I've actually started to really work on that self-care right within myself and loving myself. And it's interesting because even if I go through a rough patch in my relationship now, and it doesn't happen you know, as often anymore because I've learned to love myself, I can be okay with having those times that are difficult, right? If we maybe my spouse and I have an argument or whatnot, it doesn't affect me the way that it used to because I love what I'm doing. I truly love myself. I can actually be alone. And I think that was something that was very difficult for me in the past. I like would struggle when I was traveling and stuff and I actually love it now. I love the me time. So um, it took me a long time to gain self-acceptance, but can you tell us what triggers that? Yeah, absolutely. Like you mean like how you get to that self-acceptance? Yes. Okay. So it is, it, it is sort of that metamorphosis from I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. Those three negative core beliefs that are so common to self-acceptance to self-love. So the first part is, you know, you've got that rut in your brain of thinking of the negative. You've got that thought that occurs. I can't do this or I'm not enough or whatever. And then you believe it. You hold on to it. You feel badly about yourself. You act accordingly. You don't take the action that you want to take for yourself and you grasp out for that love from other people and that validation. Okay. So the self-acceptance, um, I work on clients to really let go of perfection. That's part of the self-acceptance piece of the puzzle to accept your flaws, accept that no one else is perfect and, and become more, 
process focused and less result focused, right? And then we're gonna try to disrupt that pattern. We're gonna start to notice every time we had one of those negative thoughts and sort of, and redirect, okay? So that's when we work on letting go of those tightly held beliefs and allowing for the space of starting to think about what is right with me versus what is wrong with me. So we're making that shift, we're allowing that space. Then we move on to the self-love and we're starting to think, okay, I'm getting out of that straight jacket. I'm allowing for the space of really focusing on what's right with me. And we go to figuring out what all of that is and putting it right in front of my client. And then we do what you said a minute ago, which is we assess each area of, the, of their life and figure out what it is that they value, what is important, to them, what actions can they take to go to what's important to them? And this is a process as well, but as you start to take action, because you're not limited by those negative limiting beliefs, right, anymore, you, you recognize them, but you don't have to go toward them. You start taking action toward what you value, and what it does is it builds confidence and trust and then love in yourself. Kind of like what happens with other people, right? You get confident and trust, you, you, you begin to trust them because they do what they say they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And you're doing what you say you're going to do for yourself. So then that confidence and trust builds and then it turns into love. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. And I'm, you know, there's a course that I'm teaching right now. And one of the components is commitment. And so there's a group of five of us right now that each and every morning I get them to do a commitment call. So they do a little voice memo and just three things that they're going to commit to daily. And I, you know, tell them, I want you to commit to something self-care, right? Something that you really want to get done, something you've been procrastinating over. And I said, it, it can be, you know, big, it can be small, but it has to be something that you can, you know, you can achieve in that day. And just by doing those little things, they have told me they've gotten more done in less time. And some days it's big things, which they're like, oh, I'm so glad I committed to that because I was thinking about bailing out, but I did it because I had committed to a few other people. And some days it's just, you know what, today I'm going to commit to taking care of myself and loving those around me. And, you know, some days I have to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And self-care is difficult for a lot of women um, especially where I come from in the South. And so I don't know as much about different areas of the country when it comes to that. But we get this from society around here that women must always care for others. It's selfish to care for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you have those limiting beliefs and you've grasped onto those and believe that those are true, you don't ever get to your self-care. You think, I want to do this, right? I want to exercise. I want to eat clean. But you put it at the bottom of your to-do list. And you don't ever get to it. So that is a, a big one that I work on with my clients is putting the domain of mental and physical well-being and self-care at the top of the list. But to do that, you have to realize your own value first. You're not yeah. going to really do it until you value yourself enough. You put yourself, you give yourself enough importance. And we really have grown up you know, I saw my mom was a stay at home mom for most of her life. And it was always, you know, the mother stays home, takes care of the kids, cooks. 
and I grew up, but I'm complete opposite of that because I'm like, no, I want to do something for me. Right. And, um, I think that a lot of women, like you said, really struggle with that need to make sure that they care for the family and it's not okay to care for yourself, right? You come last. And I love how you said that, that the self-care needs to come first. It absolutely does. And when we never let it come first, what we're doing is we're showing other people that we're not important. We are showing them that they can walk all over us and that we don't have any boundaries to protect ourselves. And so I hear it from moms, especially all the time. The more I do for my children, the uglier they are to me, or the more they act like brats or the more, well, there's a reason for that. And, and, and because I've done it, I've done it both ways, mm -hmm. right? I've, I've done it where I was doing every single thing for my children and I didn't understand why they weren't coming up to me and giving me hugs and being more and more and more appreciative. It's because if I'm giving and giving and giving everything, it's easy for them to believe, even though they don't really say it or, or completely know it, it's that what I'm doing for them is more important, that they're more important than I am. Mm -hmm. And so um, we really work on, you know, boundaries at that point and and it, it all starts with how you value yourself, the boundaries that you set for other people. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I love to talk about on my show is, you know, I have really developed a daily routine. So I have a morning routine that keeps me healthy, you know, physically and mentally. I, you know, make sure I have my day kind of planned out. Um, so I don't take on that stress because last year I ended up in the hospital because I didn't have that balanced life, right? It was all work when I was there and it was never balanced. So I've changed that. And then of course I have a night routine and it's very structured. What are some of the things you do in your life as a routine to keep yourself healthy? Oh yes. Yeah. So I have a morning mindfulness routine and a weekly mindfulness routine, right? In the morning, it's just a few minutes, but it, there's just certain questions that I ask myself so that I am getting ready to be the person that I want to be today. So it's not always, um, sometimes it is about what I want to get done to move forward, but it's more about who is the person that I want to be? How do I want to show up for myself today? How do I want to show up for the people that I love today? So that I don't let my stress or I don't have tunnel vision towards my work that I, am ready anytime they come to me and need me to, to be the person that I want to be. And then the weekly one is so much about productivity um, and, and what I want to get done and what I want my focus to be and what values and what domains that I see that might need working on that week. Mm -hmm. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I'm very similar that way too. And um, so you have a workshop now, correct? It's the imperfection workshop. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah. So it was because I kept, you know, getting to the bottom of anxiety and depression and problems in my clients' lives that I thought I need to get the word out about perfection. Like people just don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was like, well, I don't know, what can I do for that? So, um, I created a, progress over perfection workshop and it's just five bite-sized videos i think they're all 10 minutes or less 
and they have questions before and questions after each video to sort of drive the lessons home and get you thinking about the change that you can make in your own life based on the videos. And so um, that's right there for free on my website at imperfectthriving.com. You can just click on course and sign up for that. Well, I'm definitely going to be signing up for that just to check it out because I always, I love working on stuff, even though I feel sometimes I have a handle on things. There's always so much more I can learn, especially when it comes to that perfectionism. So <laughs> yeah, I love, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I know enough to know that I don't know everything. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> one of my favorite phrases now is I don't know. It's just so, you know, I used to think that I have to know everything. Yes. The reality is you don't. No, and that's okay. And the good news is there are really easy ways to find out these yeah. days. Exactly. Google is amazing. Yeah. And I, you know, now when I think that, you know, when I think about the I know part, I'm grateful that I don't know everything because could you imagine if you knew everything, how boring life would get? Yes. <laughs> I have that thought all the time. Why did I want so badly to be perfect? What was the rest of my life going to be like if I ever got there? Yeah. What would the point be, right? So yeah, it, today and every day is all about, can I be, can I change something for the positive about myself today? Just a little thing. And the only thing I compare myself to these days is the person that I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a perfect way to end it. So I'm going to put all the links for the workshop and everything and the website, but how can people follow you on social media or get a hold of you? Yeah. So I'm at Imperfect Thriving on Instagram. I have an Imperfect Thriving Facebook group that you are welcome to come join. It is a private group, but it is free. And um, imperfectthriving.com is my website where you can find the Imperfect Thriving podcast, or it's on iTunes and all the other. Yeah. Have I left anything out? Is that everything? I think you're good. And we're going to be doing a live soon. So you yeah. have to make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll do a little announcement with our friend Paula and it's going to be incredible. I can't wait. I'm so excited about that. And yeah, if you have any questions, you can always email me directly, Catherine, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N at imperfectthriving.com. But yeah, I'm so looking forward to collaborating um, with you and Paula lots more in the future. It's going to be fantastic. I want to just thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. You brought so much value today and I can't wait to do it again. Oh, well, I've had the best time. I really appreciate you having me and, and your audience having me as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was a pleasure talking to Catherine. And you'll be hearing from her a lot more. I just love getting experts on my show and being able to share that knowledge with you. I know I learned so much, so I hope you get a lot of value out of that too. And don't forget, if you're struggling and you want that accountability, make sure you check us out at the Road Forward Facebook group. Um, as I said, October is going to be goal month. And then I'm going to be moving on to a different topic for the month of November. And I'm going to keep it going that way. So I'm going to provide you with the most value possible. And of course, if you have any questions or you have any ideas for future shows, make sure you shoot me an email at info at the road to health dot me. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.
That wraps up another episode of the Road to Health podcast, where my goal is to empower and inspire you to build a firm belief in your own ability to change your life and start achieving your goals. I know from experience, it can be hard to make healthy lifestyle changes that actually stick. I work with people to help them define their goals and identify the roadblocks that stop them from achieving them. If you would like to take advantage of a free consultation call to figure out how you can reach your goals, visit my website at www.theroadtohealth.me and book today. When you're there, make sure you sign up for my five steps to achieving your goals. And until next time, be safe and healthy.